episode 260, Cloak and Dagger, season one, episode five, Princeton Offense. Welcome to Level 7, a podcast about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Marvel Cinematic Universe. It's a magical place. Hello. Welcome to Welcome to Level 7. This is a podcast about the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and that means at this point in time, summer 2018, we are watching weekly, not W-E-A-K, but W-E-E-K, we're watching weekly live Cloak and Dagger. So every week, an episode of Cloak and Dagger, and this is a golden age, golden age. And if you heard that, voice that i cut off a moment ago you'll see that me i am ben ben avery uh, i'm not alone i am with agent stew agent stew how you doing Stuart? Agent stew. good 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 i'm glad hey. i'm glad that we're watching strong mcu television yeah not weak mcu television it's weekly not weak and we are watching right. strong stuff we are watching it strongly I guess, whatever uh but yeah so <laughs> here we are cloak and dagger season one episode five and wow uh this this show just makes me really appreciate what we have with the mcu and yeah i'm not going to be someone who's going to go and went back in the day when the green screen podcast was a thing which was kind of a a sister podcast that we were helping and um like we were actually hosting that podcast on on our server, and um, back in the day, we had the fake, which is better, DC TV or MCU TV, and you know I'm not going to get into that. I, I don't know what's better, honestly, because I, I'm not watching much of the CW stuff. I'm just hearing really good things about it. But between the CW stuff that I'm hearing really good things about, and the Netflix and Runaways, and yeah, Agents of Shield, of course, um, and this. I mean, this is a golden age of superhero TV. Um, yeah, just... and, and to be fair, superheroes, I think, shine on TV because they shined. They shoned? Shined? Both Had shined, shined or shown, yes. Not shown, the... but yeah. <laughs> they... they... <laughs> Yes, that word. Yeah. Um, in the in the comics, and comics are a weekly thing that you can spread a story out over many episodes, you know, many issues or many in incarnations, iterations, not incarnations, but iterations, and and you can tell a story, you know, a long story like that. Whereas we have that in TV, and it's hard to do that in the movies. It is, although the MCU movies have shown you can also do that too. I mean, the, yes. I mean, if you. Not as the 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 connective tissue that like makes the MCU movies a single storyline. The single storyline isn't the greatest, most well thought out, well planned out single storyline. Although within each episode, you get a good a good thing going. Um, and of course, it all led up to Infinity War, even though. It didn't always feel like that's the direction it was actually headed in. I think that they obviously did not know um, where they were going to end up with the 
the uh the gauntlet and the infinity stones and all that but um but yeah here they are and they're doing some wild stuff and some cool stuff and we get cloak and dagger this summer and i like that it's on you know basic cable i like that it's kind of away from the the you know the big three networks or whatever um yeah i i like that too um Although I think I've said this before, this this feels like a Netflix show. It feels like a streaming show because I'm watching it on Hulu. I mean, I'm not watching it on yeah. on TV. Yeah. This is a every week turn on Hulu and and watch it. So well, I mean, what's interesting is that that line between Netflix or streaming and broadcast is so blurry now. Anyway, I mean, everybody's watching stuff on Hulu. Everybody's you know waiting for it to get on Netflix or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I, I was thinking about this and how um, there's just been these kind of like shifts in television viewing and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, we've talked about how Star Trek, every every series of Star <laughs> Trek is like bringing it's at the forefront of something new that's changing television in a way. And so Next Generation kind of kicked in that 90s, early 2000s uh, syndicated television. You right. Know, it where, was the it was the first um, show to be made exclusively for syndication with that with that in mind. And in that, though, out of that, we got a lot of different weird things, you know, and that's Hercules, the legend, Hercules, <laughs> the legendary journeys um, syndication, you know, syndicated now, package and, and all these different things like that. And, and I was just thinking that kind of was in, in some ways like what we have here, you know, it's just this kind of boom in, in syndicated drama, you know? Uh, well, the, the idea that you can have artists and creatives, um, sell a series of 13 episodes or a series of 10 episodes or a series of, you know, I don't think we've had an MCU show that is, you know, sold in as a series of 23 episodes. Um, and and then it goes away, you know, and then it can be, and then it could go away, you know. All of the defenders, all of the Netflix stuff, has sort of put a bow on it, and you're not quite sure if it's going to go. Which is kind of, you know, bringing it back full circle. It reminds me of comic arcs, you know. It yeah, reminds yeah. me of when a comic, you know, sort of ends its run or it has its big year end thing. You're like, well, was it going to pick up? Is it going to go forward? What's going to happen? Yeah, and that's that's what's really it's exciting right now. I mean, the, the kinds of stuff that we're getting because of the, the streaming and um, mm. the kinds of, yeah, well, I mean, we had Star Trek discovery, the Netflix, um, everything on Netflix, you know, with, with their original shows. Um, by the way, there's a really cool animated show on Netflix right now that you should check out called the hollow. I know. Have you seen it? I saw the first episode. My daughter was like, you got to watch this. Oh yeah. So I watched the first episode, then life and all that sort of stuff. And it's, it's on my, it's on my list, but like stranger things, that's yep. amazing. And that would never ever be on television. Well, maybe not. I mean, I remember back in the nineties, even where you would get certain things like television miniseries, you know, and um, you know, Stephen King was attached to a couple of them himself and they weren't, they weren't huge hits and it was because you had to watch it that night, that day, that time. Yeah. And if you missed it, you, you didn't get to keep, you know, but with stranger things with, uh, and with me watching uh, cloak and dagger on Hulu, you know, it's mm-hmm. um, I'm part of those numbers, you know, that, that even seven years ago, they weren't counting 
numbers of, of who was watching it on streaming after the fact. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, and that's why um, Stargate Universe ended the way it did is because they just they weren't counting those numbers and it, or, you know, maybe a less, uh, I don't know, maybe a less judgmental way of putting it is they weren't able to figure out how to make number make money with the numbers of people who were watching it they, after the fact. Certainly didn't didn't know how to equate those numbers to revenue. And and you can't. Unless you don't make TV for free, <laughs> it's got to right. make money somewhere. Yeah, yeah, and that was an expensive show, but it very yeah. much was. All right. All right. Anyway, um, so we're here to talk about the MCU, and so now uh-huh. that we've waxed philosophical about television <laughs> viewing and binge watching and streaming, and we mentioned Star Trek, so we can we can that now off yep click click. We've <laughs> we're we, we're almost done with this episode now. Now that we mentioned yeah, Star Trek, is, so. oh wait, we do have to talk about the, ep- the oh, actual. Oh, that's true. Book that's true. Episode. We do yeah. have a topic to talk about as yeah. well. We're not just here yeah. to make Star Trek references, but um, um, what what about what about some some news? Yeah, let, let's do some quick news because there is some stuff, some cool stuff that's happened, some interesting stuff that's happened, and some head scratching stuff. So I don't know if you know what I'm talking about. With, based on the list you have in front of you, which one's cool, which one's confusing, head scratching, and which one is well, yeah. Let's just start with the big one. Uh, the big one. Yeah, the, is that the, the Disney Fox? Yeah, thing? yeah. So, so Disney is allowed to purchase 20th Century Fox as long as they sell off all of their sports, which makes me also want them to sell off all the news. I. Th- I'm not sure if the news was part of the package in the first place. Oh, that would make sense. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, it's all over about the shouting. Mm -hmm. And so it still may not happen, um, but there's momentum behind it and they now have permission to do it. Right. And, you know, as far as as far as what this means for the MCU, you know, no Uh. one really knows that. No Except one for really me, I know that. exactly what it means. Well, see, this is because you you live in this world where, oh no, <laughs> it's I, I oh live, well. I live in this world of like practicality and and realism I, and pragmatism and um. So so I actually have a okay. So it's <laughs> your world. Where do you live? Okay. I have a question to follow up on. Very that. quick. This is just what it means to me. It means that. Right now, we live in a world where we can get a couple X-Men movie a year, three Avengers movies a year, and potentially uh, we've lost Spider-Man already. And so we were getting a Spider-Man movie every couple years, um, but we've lost that already. Fantastic Four, I don't know what's going to happen there or what could happen there if they were going to try and reboot that again. But we're going to be getting like six or seven Marvel-related movies every year. And a couple DC movies every year or so. Um, but now, because of this, we're just going to get three. You know, and, and, and maybe that's not a bad thing. But we're going to get three movies. X-Men is going to be shoehorned in there somewhere. So an MCU movie slot is going to go to the X-Men. Maybe once a year. Maybe once every two years. I don't know. Uh, and this means also that like when Spider-Man was brought in from Sony to show up for, you know, on the MCU 
uh, slate, uh, we got things pushed backwards. And, you know, Black Panther didn't come as quickly as it could have. Captain Marvel couldn't come as quickly as it, as it could have. Uh, Infinity War. Infinity War. I, I think that one was anchored. Everything else is kind of moving around it. Mm, that um, may be true. But, so I think that one stayed where it was. But, and, and we lost the Inhumans movie. You know, that was pushed far enough back that it actually fell off the slate and then turned into the, the Inhumans TV show. And so that's, that's my thinking is just, you know, we're going to lose some of these more obscure characters like Ant-Man and Captain Marvel and that kind of thing in favor of characters we already know, like the X-Men, possibly Fantastic Four. And it's, it's not the worst thing in the world. Okay. It's, you know, I'm, I say this, I'm still going to go, I'm hopefully going to enjoy these movies. Uh, but this is my prediction, you know, is that we're going to end up, you know, down to, down to three. Um, and then Sony is still going to try and make their Spider-Man adjacent movies. <laughs> so we're going to get Spider-Man without Spider-Man, uh, with, you know, Venom and our next news item. But yeah. So, so here's my question to follow up on that. Yeah. Yeah. We have the M- we have Disney buying or Disney owning the MCU and putting out their three movies a year. And they also put out um Lucasfilm does all of those movies. And yeah, well, so I think one they- Star Wars movie a year is I think what we're looking at with that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay, maybe you're proving my point. But why can't um, 20th Century Fox still put out their slated X-Men movies and slated, you know, whatever else movies they've got coming out, you know, because Fox isn't a slouch oh, when it I comes think... to making movies. You know, it's not like it's not like they're buying up Pixar, who's made like four movies in their lifetime or whatever, you know, whatever, whatever that means. But it's it's like 20th Century Fox has made a lot of movies. So why can't they keep making their same number of movies just instead of putting the money towards someone else, they're putting it to some to a mouse? Well, I, I think I think it's possible. I mean, they're still going to be making, I believe, movies under the 20th Century Fox umbrella uh like they kind of have to don't they they don't have to what what they're doing by buying 20th century fox they're buying the the franchises you know and they're they're buying the catalog and so disney doesn't want to eat its own tail and and they're they're close you know i mean um infinity war comes out and black panther is still in theaters Mm -hmm. you know and so ticket sales to infinity war were competing with ticket sales for black panther and ticket sales for solo were competing with ticket sales for infinity war and now you even have uh infinity war solo and incredibles all out at the same time and they're all making just tons and tons of money but i don't think disney's going to want to put out too much in competition with itself whereas right now you have sony making stuff you have warner brothers making stuff with dc people and then you have 20th century Fox putting out stuff with Marvel characters and they're all competing against each other. Um, but they're doing it carefully so that, you know, an X-Men movie is not going to come out the same weekend as Avengers. Uh, but they're, it's sort of, right, it's all going it out there. A, they're doing it in, in a sense of competition. Right. Whereas when you walk away, you know, when, when everybody's on the same team, there's no competition and there's no rising above. So, well, and, and this, this then becomes a monopoly, right? I mean, right. so, so, and it's not a bad thing. All right. It's, it's, you know, the, there are certain monopolies where, yes, we do not want a monopoly, you know, in 
gas, for example, you know, um, that'd be bad for everyone. We're talking about yeah. Marvel movies here. We're not talking about right. um, life essentials, but uh, yeah. So you have a monopoly now that Disney has, they don't have to, they, they can't, they can't put out too many movies because they just will eat into their own sales and you're going to have, you know, the movies aren't going to make as much money. And, and so I, yeah. So could they keep doing things under Fox? It is possible. I mean, they're, they're going to finish the movies that they have started and the Fox movies that, you know, the new mutants that's going to come out mm-hmm. still. And, uh, whatever X-Men dark Phoenix, maybe I can't remember the title subtitle for the new X-Men movie that's coming. Yeah. That's still coming. Dark Phoenix. Yeah. That's, that's still coming. That's not going away. Um, but what's what's going to happen, like I said, is you know later when they integrate X Men and Fantastic Four into the MCU, you know right there that's two movies. Yeah, it's not a bad thing because maybe they'll be doing a really great Fantastic Four movie, and that'd be wonderful. Um, but does it mean that we're not going to get? I don't know, Beta Ray Bill <laughs> or something like that. Well, I I think maybe I think with the Mm. I think what be what would be very interesting is if the uh the big movies were the big tentpole series, you know, but but then you kind of have to ask yourself, well, look at one of the biggest MCU movies, Guardians of the Galaxy. That was a nothing series. Nobody cared about that. Yeah, but it was one right? of the three, you know, and will we will we lose out on an, the next Guardians of the Galaxy? Mm-hmm. Or the next Ant Man, because we have to do these big X Men movies now. Or the next Doctor Strange, even. Yeah, you know, Doctor yeah. Strange was kind of a kind of a, a. I don't know what kind of a character he was, or what kind of presence he had in the six one six Marvel Universe comics, whatever. But for the movie, it was kind of almost a standalone movie, you know. Yeah. And that that's what the MCU was built on, though. The MCU was built on. B list characters. They were mm-hmm. all the characters that nobody really wanted. And so <laughs> Marvel was able to say, yeah, okay, dude, we're going to, we're going to take these characters and we're going to make the Avengers. And so we're going to make an Iron Man movie and Iron Man. Maybe you could say he's an A list comic character, but he wasn't like a household name until after mm-hmm. the movie. And, and that's what the MCU was built on. And so now the A listers are all being brought back, quote unquote, home. And so Wolverine, you know, how are they going to not do a, a Wolverine movie? If they put the if they put Wolverine in the MCU, we're getting a Wolverine movie. Well, OK, so here's where I think all of this works is under Kevin Feige, because he seems to have kind of a, a good head on his shoulders. That kid's going to go somewhere, I think, <laughs> um, for these Marvel MCU movies. Here's if oh, go ahead. if he leaves. I, all bets are off. <laughs> Here's how I explained it. Um, there's two camps of I want it all, right? And uh-huh. so one <laughs> camp is the camp of I want it all, meaning I want them all in the MCU. I want the Fantastic Four home again. I want the X-Men as part of the MCU. I want I want to see the Fantastic Four with the Avengers and, you know, and blah, blah, blah. I want Phase Four to be Fantastic Four, which – that's actually marketing genius right there now that I think of it. But, um, and I just made oh, it up right there. Yeah, people can have that. Yeah. Um, oh, they've already taken it from you before you thought about it. Yeah. They, they, yeah. <laughs> they actually, I mean, they use their money to build a time machine to listen to this episode. They did. Like, yeah. They did. Hey. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, anyway, phase four is fantastic for it. And, and 
that, that, that's, that's those I wanted all people. And those are the people who have it right now. They, that's what they're going to get. They're, we also call them tickers. Anyway, go ahead. No, no, no. I mean, that, that's just, I want it all because I want them all together. And then you have people like me who are saying, I want it all. And the, the reason I'm saying that is because I want seven Marvel movies every year, you know, and Marvel's, you know, Disney's making three and Fox is making two and Sony's making one, you know, and, and I'm, I want, I want just more and more and more. And, and that's the people who, who lose with, with the Disney buying Fox thing. Well, if Fox was making a good fantastic four movie, then we may have something. I could see your point, but Fox hasn't been making a good fantastic four movie. Yeah, but they've been making good X-Men movies. I'll grant you that. Yeah. I mean, so it's, I don't know how it works this way. You know, fantastic four. I don't, I don't get why it's so hard to make a good fantastic four movie, but that's not something they they did. It was called the Incredibles. Ah, whatever. That's not our, this is not the time nor the place. We need to talk about the two other news items. Yes, we do. Um, okay. So the other news item was Jared Leto as <laughs> a character from Morbius. a spider movie that I don't know anything about. <laughs> yeah. So could, tell us what this all is. Okay. So here's what we get. We have Venom coming out in October. Again, Spider-Man without Spider-Man, right? Um, uh-huh. Morbius is the living vampire. And he is a character from the Spider-Man comics. Uh, and so he's considered part of the Spider-Man license, uh, the Spider-Man franchise, quote, whatever, uh, that, that Sony has. And so Sony's trying to take these Spider-Man characters and, and build, I mean, they're planning a spider universe and MCU of Spider-Man stuff. And so Venom is coming and it's, looks like a horror Superman or superhero story. I'm actually very excited about Venom. Then you have, uh, this Morbius thing. Which is when I say a living vampire, I mean literally he's he's not undead, but he's kind of vampirish. He was experimented on, and um, you know I don't know all the details behind him. He's not a character I'm super familiar with, but uh, but he was able to get through the comics code because he wasn't like I don't think he was drinking blood and he wasn't dead or something like that. I mean I'll we'll 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 do some more research into it. I'll definitely be doing a comic book time machine episode about early appearances of the character and that sort of thing as we get closer to the movie. But the- I will listen to that comic comic book time machine episode and that's as far as I'll go. <laughs> the bottom line is it's a Spider-Man character and it, they're making a movie of this guy and Jared Leto is signed to play the lead. So, all right. I only know <laughs> I only know Jared Leto from Suicide Squad as Joker. That's that's literally the only thing that I actually know. I know him from. I might have seen him in something else, but I have no idea what it is yeah. if I have. And <laughs> I mean, we'll, I, sure, yeah. <laughs> Go, you know what, Sony? You just you just make your stuff. <laughs> speaking so- of the next, speaking <laughs> of a Sony movie, yeah, uh, the next Spider-Man movie is going to be called. Far from home. And what's interesting about this is, uh, spoilers. Okay. Well, okay. So how do I talk about this? Ben? Well, I don't, I don't know what you're going to talk about, so I, I don't know how, <laughs> uh, it's, it's the first MCU movie after, um, infinity war. Well, 
No, the first MCU movie after Infinity War is Ant-Man and the Wasp. No, no, no. I meant after Avengers 4. Sorry. After yeah. Avengers 4. Yes, it yeah. is the first MCU Sorry. movie after Avengers 4. So if you know what happens at the end of Infinity War, you know why it's hard for me to talk about this. And if you don't, you need to watch Infinity War. Um, so the title's Far From Home, and that makes me go, hmm. That's all I'm going to say about it. Yeah. See, uh, and see, the rumor I had heard uh, ahead of this was actually it was going to be called Spider-Man Farfa Nugan. And <laughs> it just Nugan. It, it just didn't happen that way. But so they did a fake spoiler, though, with. Uh, yeah, they did the whole uh, Tom, Holland. Tom Holland. And he's like, oh, no, look, I, there's the, I'm reading the script, guys. It's awesome. And, you know, he's you know, it's not. This was this was planned because he has accidentally spoiled things in the past. But this right. was him, th- them taking advantage and, and saying, OK, he's he's spoiled things in the past. But now we're going to use that as part of the joke here. But yeah, Spider-Man Far From Home, which I like that they're going with the homecoming theme or the home mm-hmm. theme uh, without going you know, into the whole, um, uh, you know, prom and right, winter formal um rounding out the <laughs> trilogy Sidney with Hawkins dance. yeah rounding out the, the quadrilogy as you would you know spider-man city hawkins dance <laughs> yeah yep I, actually of all of those the Sadie hawkins dance is the one i'd watch the most <laughs> like i don't need to see spider-man go to prom but it'd be really interesting for him to like be asked by a you know MJ or somebody like that. Hey, you want to go to prom with me? Maybe that's just a short. Maybe that's all it is. <laughs> Maybe. I, I'm just more excited about fall festival, you know, with just, just the, the pumpkin games and the, you know, the, the harvest theme and yeah, just be, it'd be fun. It'd be fun. So anyway, yeah, that's, that's the news that we have right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So let's talk about this episode because let's talk about the episode. Yeah. Let's talk about cloak and dagger. That's what we are here to do. Mm-hmm. And man, good stuff happening. I like this series. I'm just going to come out and say it right now. I like this series. Yeah. So this is called Princeton offense. Uh, although apparently I spelled it wrong and my uh, autocorrect has <laughs> Princeton office right now. But, um, is that the is that the um the the spinoff of this episode where it's about a paper company? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Princeton office, the uh, Princeton branch, rather of Thunder <laughs> the Mifflin. Princeton branch. Yeah. yeah, they almost you know Parks and Rec was going to be a spinoff of the Office, and uh, it was actually going really? to be yeah yeah. Uh, and then as they were developing it, when they first announced it, they announced it as a, a spinoff, and then as they began developing it, uh, they wisely uh, went away from that and and made it its own thing, but. Yeah, mm. so we almost did get something like Princeton Office. But, um, okay, so this one, it was interesting, though, because when it started, um, I, I'm again, I'm on Hulu, and so it, go, it does the little thing that just explains, like, there's a, there's a five-second little thing on Hulu that shows the title and then shows, like, when you can watch it live. Uh, and, and it shows, like, some, a couple of images from the show. And then it usually just jumps right into the show. And I was getting ready to, and I started typing in my notes, a guy is raking the ocean, you know, and, um, and then it's like, wait a minute, this is a commercial. And, <laughs> and it was, it was a commercial. And so I stopped typing and then I realized, no, wait a minute, this is a commercial for Roxxon. 
like, wait, okay. So it's a commercial for the evil Roxon. Well, I, mean, I know they did a good thing for the guy, right? I mean, this guy, loud and swift, he, lost he his, his arm. Yeah, yeah, they, yeah, they helped him and got his his arm back. And I mean, that's how many. Well, I think every major iteration of the Marvel Cinematic Universe has someone with a robot arm. Now, uh, Netflix mm-hmm. has someone with a robot arm. Uh, mm-hmm. Coulson, uh, you know, on the Agents of Shield, and then of course Winter Soldier uh, in the in the movies has his robot and, arm. And and if Rocket can get his hands on it, Rocket <laughs> will too have a robot arm. Yeah. Oh, Rocket, 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 Rocket. Uh, yeah, so he lost an arm, and now Rocket wants his arm. Um, like just off camera, hiding in the bushes of the beach. There, he's like, "I need that guy's arm." Right. Hashtag it's all connected. Yes, if that actually happened, I would freak. Oh, but it is all connected. It this is episode clearly connects some things for us, and then ties into some things that are, tie back to this in the Netflix series. So we will get there um, mm-hmm. and we won't talk in too much detail. There's not a lot of detail to talk in as far as the Netflix side of things go. But on this side of things, um, well, we'll get there. So anyway, Tandy watches the ad on her phone and she's looking at rocks on stuff and she's just got papers spread all over the place, just paper trail. And it reminds me of when, uh, there was an X-Files episode like this and there's another show too that did the same kind of thing where um, just all these papers are just being placed in seemingly random places. Oh, um, Stranger Things, I think, did something like this. But it seems to be random places but then you pull back and you're like, oh, it's the face of the murderer! You know, and they just unconsciously <laughs> did that. They didn't know. And <laughs> But for Tandy, it's just kind of like a, a mutant Pac-Man ghost is, is what her... <laughs> what her picture is that as she steps back from all the papers she's put on the floor. Um, and so she's looking for a mystery man. And this mystery man is a mutant Pac-Man ghost based on the image she has created on the floor. Um, so, Are you sure about that? Is that what you're sticking with? Okay. Well, I just thought it was a bigger mess, but <laughs> as of right now, that's what it is. I mean, she gets a clearer picture okay. and much, much clearer picture goes on the floor later in the episode. But right now, Mutant Pac-Man ghost. That's what I'm going with. So, All right. I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm letting you do it. No, there's there's <laughs> clear eyes. There's a mouth. Um, there's a vague shape. It's kind of a got a curve on the top and straight on. Yeah. yeah. But mutant. Okay. Yeah. Mutant. I mean, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so that, that I've divided this out. We got act one, act two, act three, and act four and act five. And um, so act one is um uh planning the gameplay all right and so we got a sports theme that i'm going to try really hard to stick with uh even though i'm not totally into the sports stuff i mean i enjoy watching a good game of football i understand the rules of of the games um but i'm not super into it and i don't know the teams and that kind of thing but um but this is this is planning your gameplay and we've got three parallel stories going on. And one of them is uh, O'Reilly. One of them is obviously Tyrone. And one of them is um, Tandy. 
And so we're going to talk a little bit about Tandy and what, what she's trying to do. She's trying to find a missing component from her, from the papers she stole out of the safe in the last episode. Uh, O'Reilly and Tyrone come together in this, in this part. And that is, well, first of all, O'Reilly starts out and she's in the back seat with another uh, police officer who doesn't get name checked as far as I can tell. But in the credits, there was a guy whose name was officer Fuchs, maybe F U C H S. Um, maybe some sort of pun wordplay going on there. If so, uh, okay. But kid show, kid show, family show. Yeah. Uh, anyway, O'Reilly is in the backseat with this guy and they're having um, coffee and <laughs> yes, yeah. kids. And then she has to go to the office and talk to your kids about coffee. Yeah. So she goes to the office and she is helping Tyrone quote, find his bike, actually looking at pictures of a bike that they found. Uh, Cause they're sitting in the middle of the, of the police office and he can't, they can't talk openly about things, but um, yeah. So they talk about how, Connors can't be brought in for the murder of Tyrone's brother, but Tyrone has seen this guy with drugs and thinks, well, maybe uh, the drugs might help us get him. And she's right. I mean, she, she agrees he he's right. And so, yeah, they're going to take that tactic now to go after Connors. But she tells Tyrone to try to go to school, be a kid again. And so he goes to school. He's trying to be a kid. And Tandy shows up and makes him really uncomfortable right in the hallway, makes a light dagger appear and Tyrone's really uncomfortable with this. So keep that in mind. She shows up in a place where she's not expected and makes him really uncomfortable. He's going to do the same thing for her later on. She's doing this on purpose, though, and mm-hmm. really she needs a computer lab where she can go to the rocks on website and they have some conversation together and they are getting along much better than the last time they were together. And they talk about their powers and how to do, get the dagger. She has to do this scary, you know, suicide attempt that she'd never do again. Um, and she talks about how she's going to go to uh, the people who work at Roxxon and she's going to touch them and use their hopes because hopes are books. And I'm the only one who can check them out from the library. And so that's, kind of going to be her her plan and then there's a kind of a pep rally kind of thing and she watches that gets an idea Ooh, that's how i can maybe fit in at the gala and so she she goes makes a light dagger cuts open a locker and steals a cheerleader's uh outfit not a cheerleader outfit but a cheerleader's outfit street clothes kind of thing and this goes back to the idea she said And I want to park on this for a little bit. What do you think? She says, people have been stealing from me all my life. Maybe her powers are a way to help her steal back. And that's not very superhero like of her. Not very with great, with great power comes great responsibility. No, this is like the world owes me and this is how it's paying me back. Now I say it's not very superhero like, but you know what it totally is? Superhero origin. Like, it is, you know, I mean, this is Spider-Man decided I'm going to wrestle and make money, <laughs> you know, with my powers instead of doing good with them and then letting the criminal go run by. And that criminal happens to be the one that kills Uncle Ben. You know, I mean, this is that that's the attitude, the attitude of 
I'm not a hero yet. I'm still in it for myself right now. And although, you know, she's in it for herself, but she's in it also to do good things. You know, this whole Roxxon thing that she wants to uncover, um, that's a worthy cause. It's just not a worthy motivation yet. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I do like the idea of what O'Reilly is saying, you know, try to go to school and be a kid, you know, and just, just, you know, don't let the weight of, of this stay on your shoulders too long and, and enjoy yourself as a kid. And he, he does later on, but yeah. yes, he does. So that's act one where we're just setting up. Where are the people going? Tyrone's going to the big game. Uh, Avita is around and they're making goo goo eyes at each other. They, they like each other. Uh, Tandy wants to go to this gala and O'Reilly uh, wants to get Connors using the drug stuff. So act two is kind of getting ready for the big game. You know, this is, this is getting ready for the big game. The big game's not here yet, but everyone's moving into place. Um, so we find out O'Reilly is from Harlem. Yeah. Yeah. Harlem. O'Reilly mm. is from Harlem. And there's also apparently, uh, and this is, I guess a minor, minor spoiler. Maybe we're breaking our typical spoiler rule. So if you haven't seen Luke Cage season two and you want to, um, not hear a spoiler that's going to spoil one line of dialogue <laughs> from Luke Cage season two episode. I don't know what, cause I haven't seen it yet myself, but it's been spoiled. I haven't me. seen it either. Yeah. So we don't really, yeah. can't really know if the, this is happening. Uh, apparently they mention O'Reilly in Luke Cage oh. season two. So, well, okay. Yeah. I mean, so they're, they're mentioning each other is what I'm, what I'm trying to say here. It is all connected and that's cool though. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know the context. I don't know the, you know, if, if it's a plot point or anything like that. Um, I just know that people have sent me a couple links now saying, Hey, <laughs> be on the lookout for this. And I'm like, which cool I'm not even close <laughs> there yet, but yeah. well, see when I was watching this, she said Harlem, I was like Harlem. And then I didn't think about it a whole lot. And I said, there's only one. It, she could have easily said Jersey, like, oh, the cops in Jersey or, you know, the drugs in Jersey yeah. are worse or whatever. She could have said, you know, Atlanta. She could have said Miami. She could have said a million other places, but she specifically said Harlem. And we have a big black guy who gets shot at who's bulletproof from Harlem. And he's like Harlem is a big deal for that show. So. I kind of expected something to see that. And I'm still watching Jessica Jones. So I haven't gotten through. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, she's from Harlem and was a, was a cop there, but, uh, yeah, what's cool about it is like you were saying, Harlem is a big deal in the Luke Cage show. Mm -hmm. A lot the same way that new Orleans is a big deal in this show. I mean, they, I don't know tons about new Orleans, um, so I don't know how deep it's probably deeper than my understanding even, but certain things, certain iconography, iconography and certain, um, uh, just different cultural things I know about from New Orleans 
they're they're touching on and they're they're bringing up and they're using in the storytelling and and I really appreciate that but then you so these two shows Luke Cage there's no there's no coincidence here Luke Cage was released at the same time while this series was on TV and is on TV and mm-hmm. so for them to reference each other that's fantastic that's brilliant and I wonder who it was that was able to coordinate that, you know, and who it was that said, okay, um, uh, is it, is it Jeff Loeb? Maybe, uh, maybe it's him. Um, but to say, okay, well, this cop that's here in this show once lived over here and knew people from this show. And that's, do you th- that's great. Do you, th- do you think it's Jeff Loeb or do you think it's the creators of this show going, we really liked Luke Cage and it's coming out. How do we incorporate that? Well, but they they both incorporated it though. That's what I'm saying is. Oh, well, yeah, they both went. It's in both series, you know. So it's either the showrunners from both series got together and were like, "Hey," or you know, even writers from both series, you know, from the writers' room, mm-hmm. um, maybe you know, maybe they're getting together for drinks and like, you know, what we should do. Um, so it's either something like that where it's kind of an informal let's. Let's do this. We can because why hashtag is all connected or it's someone who is above both saying, okay, we need to do more things. People are noticing that we're not (laughs) connecting as much as we said we would. Specifically, the guys over at Welcome to Level 7. And this one's for you, Stuart. Yeah, that's what they say say specifically (laughs) for Stuart. But yeah, Uh, so that's that's cool. I mean, that's hashtag. It's all connected. Yeah, that's more so now. That's the kind of stuff I want. Right there. So if you say Harlem, I want you to have a reason to come from Harlem and I want it to be referenced in the show that is about Harlem. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So that specific example that you just said happened right here, but then, but it's not just that. I mean, you have the rocks on stuff as well. Yeah. The rocks on stuff. And, and you know, what's what I'm finding myself doing is going back through, you know, like Wikipedia and, and some other wiki things and, and looking at rocks on history and going, Oh yeah, I remember that from agent Carter. And if you look at sort of this biographical site that rocks on has, it's got a bunch of different like locations and each one has played sort of a deal in, you know, various MCU properties that we had them in ages of shield. They were in all, they were also in agent Carter. They were in, um, Roxanne was in, uh, Iron Man, right? Mm-hmm. One, wasn't it one, two and three? I'm pretty sure. And so they've been around the MCU for a long time. So it's, there's a lot of connected tissue that even though I do a podcast about it and I've watched all of this stuff, you can go back in and peel back those layers and dig a little deeper and find what you need. Yeah. And now we're frogs. Great. <sighs> so, yeah. Uh, so O'Reilly is from Harlem. She's trying to figure out the place here. At least that's what she says when Officer Backseat Boy comes in <laughs> and is talking with her. Um, Was that the same guy? I'm, I think that's the backseat guy, but I, I might be wrong because he backseat, backseat guy was a uniform uniform officer, though. Right. And this guy was a detective and the You're subtitles right. have the subtitles have the um, name of him, which is starting with an F and ending with an S. OK, so that's that one. And the other guy might be someone else. I don't know. Bottom line is she's talking to one of the other officers there 
and she says she's trying to figure out the place and she's actually looking into the history of um, just the crime rate and stuff like that. Things are better now than they were. Uh, but she's suggesting that just because things are better, things are cleaner, doesn't mean everything's been stopped. And that wiping out the drug trade back then may have created a monopoly uh, for someone else to come in and be, you know, have no competition. I mean, basically <laughs> she's describing Disney buying out Fox and it's fine. The monopoly will just sell off all the sports channels. It'll be okay. Don't worry yeah, about it. Yeah. So she's trying to get information though, and trying to find out about this Connors guy and yeah, she's, she's smart. She's savvy. She's good at what she does. She's very good at what she does. She's a little she, sneaky. She is. A little sneaky, sneaky. She's going to get more sneaky. So She she does. Right. I like her, though. I'm glad that she's in the show because I think it's nice to have um, – I don't think they mention it here in this, in this scene. But they do talk about having strong female characters and having strong-willed female characters who aren't just pushovers because there are strong-willed women and there are strong women in this world who – don't get represented in media a whole lot. So yeah, and that's good. Yeah. And she's a character who passes the Bechdel test, um, which we were going to get to, yeah, I yeah. think in the next act. Yeah. So anyway, um, we, then we have Tyrone, he's at home getting ready for the big game. Uh, and as he's kind of walking around the house, he's reminiscing about his brother with his mom. Cause he takes a picture off the wall and she's talking to a client. Uh, I think about the, the rocks on gala that night. Um, but she's not going to go to the gala herself. She's going to her son's game. And then, so they're talking about this. They talk about the picture and they have a nice mother son moment. He goes to hang it back up on the wall. And we actually finally get to see him. We actually, with our own eyes, instead of just the implied vision, uh, get to see him transport. And so he teleports mm -hmm. to a warehouse and there's an old friend, a friend from the picture. Uh, a friend of his brother's that he used to, um, when he would hang out with his brother, he would hang out with his brother's friends. And this guy, I think it's Dwayne. I think that's his name. Uh, but he's made a business fixing up old houses and he's been very, very successful. And, and to be fair, the business fixing up old houses came from Katrina, you know, and that's, that's a real life. Well, that's what historical that's what, thing. That's what caused the boom for his business. Mm -hmm. Um, cause he was doing that before and he was doing a good job and he was ready and so when it happened, it just – his business skyrocketed. Mm -hmm. That's what he says. It may not be exactly true, but um, – <laughs> that, That's called foreshadowing, yeah, dear listener. Yeah. <laughs> and not very good foreshadowing. <laughs> if you're reading a book and it's not a series of unfortunate events, uh, then you're probably not getting good <laughs> foreshadowing when it says – yeah, it might not be true what just got said by one of the characters I'm writing about. But oh. series of unfortunate events, then you're you're just roll with it because that's that's what the whole. Do you story. like those books? Uh, I actually have only read part of the first book, uh, but the series on Netflix, going back to that, the, so good. It is the, so good. It's the 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 writing is so on the nose about those types of things. You just want to go stop. Stop. No, you don't. I, I think it's so on the well, nose. You just want to be like, yeah, 
you're right. Oh, hey, you are doing that thing. And now you're saying it outright. But then there's subversions of the tropes. Like, so they, they bring up they the tropes. the tropes, yeah. Yeah. And then they subvert it a little bit. And this might be the longest we've ever talked about a series of unfortunate events on the podcast. So I got one more box to check off. Right. Yay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so uh, back to Tyrone. Um, he does actually, have, uh, in this part, give Evita his jacket. Uh, so they're a thing. They sneak into the priest's office to give him his jacket. Yeah. Well, I don't know why they Just, do that because I mean, you, you can do that in the hallway, but um, yeah, I don't, uh, maybe he's, maybe he's, you know, ashamed or something. I don't know. Or maybe that's just the only set they had available that day or something. <laughs> I don't know. But um, yeah, they're an item. Yay. Uh, so Tandy is I put making paper trails on the floor and she's looking at social media and by looking at social media, she finds an escort service that people from Roxon use and she goes in, gets a job as an escort and she's going to go to the gala. And just like that, like she's, she's, she's in, there it well, is. She's, she's blonde and she use she's used her Google skills just like sky did I, way back when. I'm wondering though, like how did she that quickly set up her, you know, Instagram or whatever to where the lady asks her how many followers you have? She's like, oh, 17, 18,000. Um, how was she able to fake that so quickly? Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe she's, maybe she's got hacker skills. You know what she did? Here's what she did. She called Daisy and was like, hey, Daisy, I need you to get onto the Googles and make me have 17,000, 18,000 followers on Instagram. And Daisy's like, I can't really right now. I'm flying a jet in space. Maybe not, but. No. Yeah. It just seemed that I think that's probably the one misstep in this episode. I'm just like, what? Well, it's, you know, you, regardless of how she actually did it, the idea of her sort of going undercover and getting a, um, uh, becoming a, a escort. escort. Yeah. yeah. It's kind of a, it's an interesting one. It is. It is. And, you know, it goes, it, it goes back to something that was said by Tyrone, um, a couple episodes ago where they were talking about, uh, white privilege right where she can walk she can essentially walk into anywhere because she's invisible yeah. as soon as he walks into something which might happen later in the episode or not i don't know um <laughs> everybody looks at him yeah yeah well we'll get there but okay so act three game time um and we see what's going on in the game tyrone gets a great shot sinks it but then a guy was right there kind of close there's a foul that's called, but he wasn't fouled. And then Tyrone misses a catch, but he is pretty sure he touched the ball, but the ref calls it out of bounds on the other team, even though he was the last one to touch the ball, you know? And so um, <laughs> at one point, then he accidentally teleports the actual ball to the gala and it just right. ends up like <laughs> bouncing in the middle of the place. And there's a guy in the middle of the gala is like, where's the interns? <laughs> like it's, he's all upset. Um, and and then he gets touched by the ref and he sees the fear of the ref and it what ends. Is the ref, what is the ref fearing? He's fearing getting beat up, killed. I don't know, but whatever by it is. The, 
by the St. Sebastian's team or something. I don't, I don't exactly. I don't know. Well, he's, he's getting fear of he's fear. His fear is making the wrong call for sure. Well, he is clearly uh, making bad calls though. He's making calls in favor of, of St. Sebastian and Tyrone sees this and it bothers him. Um, so meanwhile, Tandy's at the gala and she is purposely touching people and she sees that all of the people that she touches, all these kind of powerful men, um, they all want a specific office. They want the chair in the specific office. They all want, they, they either hate one particular guy or they want to be in power over this particular guy. And so this is going to be, this is her lead, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so she's almost figured out who the guy is. And then Tyrone teleports himself to the gala. So he's just there. <laughs> he was sitting in the locker room, covers his face with a black wa- uh, washcloth. Uh, and then he's there. So it's like the tiniest cloak he's ever used. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. So that's game time. And and she sure enough, she's using her power to find out. She's using people's hopes to find out uh, what she needs and brilliant use of that power. Um, I, no, that's I, I like not it. Something, that's not something from the comics, right? No, it's not. That's a that's a new power. That hopey, feely, touchy thing yeah. is not from the comics and neither is his fear reading touchy thing right no it's not uh, it's also not from the comics it that definitely adds a dimension to them that makes their stuff makes their power seem a little bit more real i guess is i guess interesting sure it makes it more it definitely makes it more metaphorical Mm -hmm. you know i mean so with uh, maybe it's explains the metaphor is maybe a better way to put it because it definitely you have the cloak and you have the darkness and when people go into his cloak they come out and they've had like some of their light drained from them and so one of the things that happens in the comics is she's feeding him light uh so the darkness doesn't consume him you know and and she has to let she can't just let the light build up within her and so it's it's actually something where um she has to let light get out and so she uses that light then to feed him because he has the darkness growing in him and so it's just this kind of uh, symbiotic relationship that they have and there's a sim it's also symbolic relationship that they have uh and so here the hope and fear thing kind of um in in some ways uh, maybe puts a little bit of a lampshade on the metaphor of their powers you know where he's he's the one cloaked in darkness. And so he's the one who sees their fears and she's the one who's light and she sees people's hopes, but then she's the one who has less hope, you know, and, and he's the one who has more to live for and, you know, that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, but it adds an interesting dynamic and they have definitely used it well. Um, Right. And it doesn't make them, it doesn't make them be, it doesn't force them to be so connected that they have to, you know, be on the same, be in the frame at the same time. 
throughout the story, right? right? They can be, you know, doing off in their own character development stories and coming together to this, you know, place that is cloak and dagger. Yeah. Well, and in the comics, when they're not together, they have to, like, it's a big deal, you know, like that they have to get back together. Uh, mm-hmm. And so that's, it's a real problem when, when they get separated. And uh, so they are spending so much time together. Uh, uh, but then when they, when they aren't together, you know, it's when cloak is just going out and just getting bad guys and just soaking them all dry of their, whatever light they have within them. And yeah. Right. And that does not going to make for very good television. Well, it could, well, it, it could. could, but it's going to be definite. This, this makes this work very easily. Yeah. Um, meanwhile, O'Reilly is talking to Liam in, in prison mm-hmm. and trying to get him to give up his Coke dealer's name. So that's, that's our, th- <laughs> of all the characters, O'Reilly, you know, she has her own through line throughout this whole episode, but it's like one 45 second scene in, in every act. And so, Right. But she's there and she's doing stuff and, and it's good. It's good stuff. Uh, act four. Um, I didn't know what to call this. I think this is the right phrasing, but it's the clutch. You know, it's like the end and you, the, la- the last shot from from each of the games. And so O'Reilly's last shot is getting coke from a, a club dealer. Just a person who goes, gets the coke, doesn't know who she's getting it from, but she's dealing it. And O'Reilly's shaking her down. It's like, yeah, I'm going to take and you in unless you tell me what I need to know. And not passing the Bechtel test. Yeah. <laughs> Which the, okay. So the only time I'd ever heard that was on a doctor who podcast. Oh, really? And so I thought it was a doctor who thing oh. until I <laughs> looked it up. Cause Bechtel, I mean, that's a weird word. Um, Cause it's a name. Cause it's a name. Yeah. Right. And, and doctor who is weird. Cause doctor who, um, and so I thought, oh, okay, well, mini scope, Bechtel test, whatever, <laughs> randomizer. <laughs> these are all Doctor Who things, Dalek. Uh, but no, it's an actual. She's an actual uh, researcher who's come up with this thing, like a uh, you know, a way to it's define way, television. Yeah. Well, it's a way to measure story, uh, right. and and, w- and the way it uses women, and mm-hmm. you know, so do you have a conversation with two women on the screen who don't talk about men? Which is, you know, which is, which is the test, right? If that you is, have a that is the test. And, right. and so movies that don't pass the test are movies where like star Wars, the first star Wars princess Leia never talks to another woman, you know? <laughs> so there's, there's never two women on the screen. Uh, this is my understanding of it. Um, and then, then you have other movies where the, the two women, when they are finally on the screen, it's to talk about the men, you know, in their life. And, and so a lot of, uh, rom-coms don't pass because that's all that the women talk about in, right. in that movie is the men, you know? And, and I think, I think next generation passed it more often than it didn't. Um, but there was one time that sticks under my head. It's the one time where, uh, uh, tr- you know what I'm going to talk about. Yeah, too. I know exactly Troy, what you're going to say. Troy and Crusher were like doing space yoga. <laughs> so and- stupid looking. <laughs> and so they're doing space yoga and then Troy's like 
do you think Worf likes me? And for you, for you people that don't know, Worf is a Klingon alien. He's got the ridges on his forehead. He's very big and muscular. He, um, their mating practices are, are interesting. Um, so yeah, I don't, it's, I, uh, that's the, that's the one time. It's like when I think of the Bechtel test, aside from it being Dr. Who, that's the one time I think that it, that I can point to that it's failing. Yeah. So, so she's just, you know, the, the, yeah. Um, we've got some strong characters here though. So, you know, just because a show doesn't pass the Bechdel test doesn't automatically mean that it's, um, anti women or poorly written or bad for you. Um, but it is a measure that you can use. and, And oftentimes a movie that doesn't pass, um, probably could use better writing and be more inclusive. And um, I think even like Avengers doesn't pass because you just have black widow, you know, she's, she's the only one, the only woman. And, you know, so it's, right. yeah. And what's interesting about this show is that it does pass all the time. You know, Tandy has had conversations with um, O'Reilly. I don't remember them talking about a man. No, you know, no. well, they might have, and, yeah. And then so um, and and to be fair, it's not talking about like the character of the man who is doing something, you know, whatever. It's more like, oh, look, he's so handsome. Right, right. It's it's them talking about men and the relationship with men. And so like here, Tandy and O'Reilly might talk about a man, but it's can you help my friend Ty or can you help right. help me find out information about my dad or, you know, th- yeah. that kind of thing. Yeah. But anyway, yeah. so that's two men explaining the Bechdel test to you. Right. Yeah. Right. So, yay uh, us. <laughs> but, uh, but this does pass it a lot. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. This does, yeah. this show does pass it. And so for them to hang a lampshade on it, I think is very interesting. Yeah. That um, is all I'm going to say about it. <laughs> so, uh, so meanwhile, Tyrone and Tandy, right? So he's there. He's in his outfit, uh, outfit. He's in his basketball uniform <laughs> and, um, and he's in the middle of the rocks on gala. And they actually talk a little bit then about, um, what she's found out. Uh, but he's wondering if the use of her powers are creating problems for him, like the ball slipping through his fingers, um, magically not just because he missed the ball and um and and so that sort of thing and so he uh he needs to get back and she's well remember what i did to get my dagger you need to do something that's gonna put your life in in danger he's no because i'm not gonna do that because i value my life too much and she's like yeah but i don't and so she pushes him over a railing into a um small fountain pool thing in the and he disappears and finds himself back in the locker room, sitting by himself, drenched. But yeah, that was. She's got a lot of faith in their powers because she did it. So, yeah, well, and and people with powers usually have that lots of faith, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. But man, if I, I'm totally on Tyrone's. I'm, I'm team Tyrone, I guess, um, <laughs> because. I was just thinking, okay, if someone did that to me, even if it worked, I would be ticked off. <laughs> I would be so angry at her. Uh, even if it worked, you know, like you, you could have killed me. 
you know, what if it didn't, what if my power didn't work? And then of course, you know, people who are in team Tandy are like, but we knew it was going to work because it worked for me, you know, but yeah. Yeah. But while she's talking to him, she sees a poster and remembers someone from her childhood. And she now knows who the mystery man in the center of everything is. And it's uh, Peter Scarborough. He's the rock song guy. And he actually was there when, when things first were starting to go down with her father after her father died. Do we know him from any other, from anything else? I don't think so. I couldn't find anything. I looked up the name and everything that I could find was just related to this episode. So there may be a a Marvel comic book, Peter Scarborough, but I I couldn't, I couldn't find that. Now the first guy in the episode loud loud and swift. um, Mm -hmm. That is another name I looked up and I couldn't find a loud and swift uh, as I was looking up you know, on, on Google about Marvel comics, but there is a Jonathan Swift. Uh, I believe that's his name who is a superhero, um, who has speed powers from what I understand. I, it's a character I'm not familiar with. I found him only because of Google, not because I had any special knowledge, but, um, but Peter Scarborough, Scarborough, no, not that I can find. He's not, he's not an MCU version of a, you know, a super villain or anything like that from what I can find. Well, then there we go. Yeah. So back at the game, Tyrone makes a drive. And it's like the last 10 seconds of the game. And as he's going, he's touching every single player on the other team. And he sees that they're scared of losing and they're scared of, you know, getting beat and going, having to go into the military because they lose their scholarship. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is, this is a big deal for everyone. And and he's feeling bad because of the ref. And so he shoots, makes the last shot and he misses, misses the, the basket. And, and you get the sense that he did that on, he, you know, he did that on purpose. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it could easily be played off as he choked, but no, it was definitely, mm-hmm. I feel like he did it on purpose as well. So, so, uh, so here's my thing about that. Do you, Hmm. He is letting fear rule his life. Not yeah. His own yeah. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I was just going to say it's other people's fear. It's, it's other people's fear. So it's kind of in that metaphorical, you know, we're going to use a story to tell you things about yourself that you should know. Um, but he's letting fear run his life. So he's not going to make the basket because he thinks he sees all these things fears that other people have that he, you know, if I miss this, my dad's going to beat me. If I miss this, I'm going to lose my scholarship and go to, um, you know, have to go to the military. If I miss this, you know, if we lose this thing, bad stuff's going to happen. They may be founded. They may be unfounded. Tyrone doesn't know that though. Okay. But maybe the flip side of that is he is seeing their fears and writing a wrong you know, like he is using their fears to do something for them. And then you have Tandy using people's hopes to get something from them. And so you just kind of have this whole, this whole series is definitely playing on two sides of the same coin opposites, you know, and that kind of thing. But in, in this particular episode, you have him doing something, you right or wrong guided or misguided he is helping them 
and he's doing it because he saw their fears. Meanwhile, Tandy is using people and doing it because she sees their hopes. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So that and I I didn't connect that until now. So thank you. Yeah. Well, I didn't connect it till now either. But <laughs> yeah. So which is why we talk about these things. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. So that's that's Act Four, and then we have Act Five, which is post game. Um, Tandy pretends to have a flat tire in front of Peter Scarborough's house, and. This this bit right here where she's like, can I come in and call AAA? And he's like, no, because you should know how to change your own tire. And he comes out to help her like this is it's kind of gruff well, and then, dad well, kind of stuff. Not you know? only does he help her, he like does it himself. Yeah, he's no, not he, like actually, you know, OK, get down there, get the iron and your little little dress thing. You know, get the tire and get your hands dirty. No, no, come no. on now. He's <laughs> doing it for her. Uh, maybe he's teaching her as he's doing it for her, but. Yeah. Um, and, and so uh, he changes the tire. She's holding a dagger. What's she going to do? What's she going to do? And it disappears and she touches him instead. And this is man. What a vision. There's so much symbolism in this vision that. I, I, uh... Well, because here's the thing. This is his hopes, right? Right. So what is he hoping for? He's pulling money out of the the golf yeah he is not hoping for those men to die the men have died and he's hoping that money will come out of it that's what i think it is um but he's like just pulling money out of the water uh he's got like a, a lobster trap or whatever and he pulls that out he's he's collecting money and then um these employees roxon employees are popping out of the water and they're wearing their their hard helmets and they're wearing their uh, fireproof outfits and stuff like that. So they're they're oil rig workers, right? Right. And presumably so presumably from the oil rig that blew up that they're blaming on Tandy's dad. And yeah, so she is seeing that he is hoping he'll be able to harvest money from the death of these people or the deaths of these people, I should say. Uh that's that's at, my interpretation, but man, at whatever cost, because one of them comes up and is, um, you know, starting to live, and Peter Scarborough yes. actually kills him to or, or finishes the job, I guess is the way to put it. But you know, d- does that so that he can still collect the money, and then um, the the thing floats over to him and it says, um, "Ivan Hess is the name of of a hat she found." Right. And the Hess name is someone we'll come back to in a moment here. But mm-hmm. um, but there's no body on that hat. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know if that hat was meant to be with the guy that he pushed under again. But um, but what it shows is that the oil rig disaster that happened is not over in his mind. You know, and so he's either still reaping the benefits from this or is waiting still for a plan to come into fruition where he's going to eventually reap the benefits from this but it's great i mean yeah there's uh, so much there yeah so much there yeah and this is foreshadowing by the way that that thing that's foreshadowing yeah well and it's a nice way of looking at the past and then kind of getting a glimpse at what he's doing in the present 
without even knowing really what he's doing in the present. Cause that's, that's a big part of the mystery. She knows now who's the guy in the center of this, mm-hmm. you know? And so she, like I said, she's going to have a much clearer picture than the mutant Pac-Man ghost. Um, cause she has like his clear HD picture on her, <laughs> her iPad. And she sets that in the middle of her paper trails. Right. And, like, it's kind of a, like, a little overkill, you know, but maybe she needs a symbolism to help her as she's thinking things through, you know, yeah. Not not everything that you do is actually going to help you solve problems. Sometimes you need to have that little extra, you know, bit of creativity, you know, and 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 meaning behind things. So anyway, that's what happens with uh Tandy and yeah, it's it's great stuff. Um back to Tandy with her paper <laughs> trail. She finds the blueprints of the oil rig. And her dad's name is on it. And you know what all, the other name that's on there? No. What's the other name that's on there? Ivan Hess. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. And then this is where I get a little confused. And I didn't have time to rewatch this because suddenly she's on set of a commercial. And this this commercial set that she's on, there's a woman who's talking about she's going to help you know, Roxanne and her. We're going to change the world. And her father died. And Roxanne took care of her. And her name is. I thought her name was Hess too. Mina Hess. Mm-hmm. Mina Hess. So. Yeah. So what we're looking at here is um, the anti. Uh, Tandy. Because mm-hmm. if her father died now, it's possible maybe her father isn't dead because there was no body with uh with well, the helmet we're certainly not on episode nine yet so we don't know if her father's right. dead or alive but as far as she is concerned or at least the story that she's telling in that ad right um my dad died in the oil rig accident we we can assume because of the vision and roxon took care of her whereas with uh with tandy and her mom uh, Roxanne just cast them aside. Yep. So, yeah. That's, that's cool stuff. So, See. and, but here's the confusion. Is this something that Tandy is seeing as a vision because she's holding the blueprints? Is this a flashback to the vision that she had when she touched Mina at the party? Because Mina had uh, stage fright and, you know, she was worried and she had to go and do something she had stage fright for. Or is is this um, her actually like visiting the the set for the commercial and literally walking in just like uh, Tyrone said she could do uh, and no one even notices because she's a, a pretty young white girl. And, and I, I didn't have time to rewatch the scene. It just, it was kind of jarring and I just wasn't sure. Yeah. I don't know. But whatever it is, this Mina Hess works for Roxanne. Uh, but their dads worked together. So there's that. Meanwhile, Tyrone, uh, Evita is in his room. And is wearing his jacket. And she says, I know what you did. 
with that ref and the other team. I know why you did what you did. I know who you are. And he's like, yeah, so give me my jacket back because I know you want you want my jacket. You, you don't want to be with me anymore. And she's like, yeah, sure, I'll give you your jacket back. Uh, she takes off her jacket. She's not wearing very much underneath it. Um, they spend the night together. And then uh, he teleports himself to his friend's warehouse. And here's the other big bump, bump, bump. Because the friend who has the business, it's a front for drug money. Mm-hmm. That's... That's part of his, the secret to his success, if you would. Mm-hmm. Does he see her fears? You Who's, would think he would. So Tyrone, they touched a whole lot, a whole lot. They touched yeah, him. I don't know what triggers the power for him because his mom hugged him, but they didn't touch skin. But he fist bumped with a player on the team earlier. Mm-hmm. And nothing happened there either. So, but I mean, they make it uh, very clear that he's touching her. Like you see his hand touch the skin on her back before they fade away. Um, And and so, yeah, you're right. I, they don't show him seeing her fears. That's for sure. I don't know. They fade to black. (laughs) They don't show anything, but yeah. And finally, O'Reilly snorting the coke. Connors walks in on her and he's like, what do you think you're doing? And can I have some? And she's yeah. all, yeah, because I totally am a drug doer, even though I'm From not supposed Harlem. to. Yeah, I'm not supposed to do drugs. They said I can't do it, but I'm, I did it anyway because, you know, it's the job, man. And he's like, yeah, we're friends. And then she walks out. She's like, yeah, we're not friends because I'm going to bust you. Kids, drug dealers do not talk like Ben. Just saying. No, they don't. No, (laughs) narcotics agents talk like that, though. Yes, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) Throw me under the bus. Yeah. So you, You know a lot of drug dealers, Ben? No. no, just the narcotics officers. Like that's. <laughs> oh, that's right. Okay, that's right. I'm sorry, I forgot about that. Like every time they're they're, they're trying to trick me, you know. I'm like, hey man, let's do some drugs, and I'm like, no, and like, oh, you got me. I'm a narcotics officer, and I, I was trying to trick you, man. And I'm all, like, yeah. I've seen a very special episode of Growing Pains. Actually, there there have been some probably some sitcoms where the narcotics officers did talk like that. Yeah. <laughs> hey, sitcom star. <laughs> Do some drugs. I don't know if I should. I'm a sitcom star. <laughs> so just, getting... just for clarification, sitcom stars actually do talk like that. So if you come into someone talking like that, you'll know that they're a sitcom star. Yeah. Yeah. I miss my calling. I <laughs> you could have been. been could have been. I was just it's just keeping that voice up for so often, so long. Yeah. Anyway, um, she's got him. She she walks out, she smiles, she's got him. Like she knows now she's gonna be able to um get closer to him, find out more information. And yeah. That's our yeah. episode. That's our episode. And we got some feedback about this episode. Would you like to hear it? Sure. All right. This one comes from Agent Shannon. And Agent Shannon says, hi, all. Uh, 
Great to have you covering another great Marvel show. We are really enjoying Cloak and Dagger here in Australia. I'm not sure why such, the such negative reviews on IMDb. Some people aren't enjoying some of the change-ups from the comics. I think the economic change-up has put a more modern look to the story. They've kept a fair bit of the comic book aspects of the same. Uh, Tandy stealing Ty's wallet instead of Ty going to steal Tandy's bag and Tandy's mom's drug, drug and alcoholism, for example. Love how they are taking the story slower than in the comics. <laughs> Man, this is me. Yeah, they went fast, 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 fast in the comics. It's, it's like a couple panels when they first introduced them. But anyway... um, I love how they are taking the story slower than in the comics and taking their time in introducing Cloak's dependence on Dagger, allowing the two develop, to develop rather than knowing all the answers straight away works well. It was very easy to forget that they were only 17 in the comics. Uh, a couple of questions. Will the minor characters in O'Reilly and the priest get stories similar to the comic counterparts? And my answer, I hope so. Um, there's some good stuff going on there. Possible MCU interactions. Doctor Strange was teamed up with Cloak and Dagger in their third run of comics, and he also has that link to Runaways with the staff of one. The Punisher also has interactions with both teams, too. Can't wait for you to cover the Netflix stuff. I'm three episodes into Luke Cage Season 2 and would like to see what you all think. Keep up the good work. Well, Shannon, it'll be a while. It will. It will. But Shannon also sent in something... um, the Luke, she's one of the people who sent in the Luke Cage connection. That's in episode eight. Episode eight. I got to finish Jessica Jones first. Yeah. Uh, let's see. That's Luke Cage feedback. We need to get to Agent 084. Cloak and Dagger 1.5 message. I love this show. I like the fleshing out of O'Reilly this episode. She's got her slight vices like everyone else. And really, who among us wouldn't want to try doing unsavory things in the back of a squad car? Just me? Okay, fine. It was great that her conversation with Connor centered around uh, UC cops doing drugs in order to build trust with their suspects, which hung a huge lampshade on what she was actually doing there. Oh, boom. And she's worked in Harlem. Did she know Misty Knight? Do I ship it? Find out next week on Cloak and Dagger. Um, by the way, what was it there? Back of the squad car. The one time I've been in the back of the squad car, that is like the most uncomfortable seat I ever sat in. It was awful. Um, I've never been in the back of a squad car, Ben. Hey, I wouldn't know. Well, Stuart, someday <laughs> I'll tell the story because it's a fun one. So Okay. Yeah. Um, Tandy going through the party, finding out all the weird hopes of the white collar D bags was partly entertaining and humorous and heavily contrasted to Tyrone's journey through his opponent's fears in the last 10 seconds of the game. At first I thought that would distract him and make him miss the shot, but I like what it says about his character that he missed on purpose, both due to the ref and seeing the potential ramifications of a loss for the other players. Oh, and Dwayne totally paid the ref to make those calls, right? I wouldn't be surprised to see him actually cut the guy's finger off next episode. So I didn't oh, catch that, but that might be. I mean, Dwayne definitely the was, ref. Oh, go ahead. I was going to say, was Dwayne in one of those, um, the, the, the fears? I, I don't, it's possible. Um, I mean, the ref definitely was calling the game as if he'd been paid off. Absolutely. And it would make sense. And the ref, Dwayne, his reaction when, when uh, Tyrone made the shot was, was pretty priceless. Like the ref himself was like, what? No, no. Yeah. 
Uh, my first thought about the CEO guy's hopes was that he was just cleaning up the gulf of trash and whatnot. But wow, that took a dark turn. It was refreshing that we got to see the hopes of evil people in this episode. I also like that Tandy has gotten a full hold of her powers while Tyrone is still working on it. If they both got the hang of it at the same time, I'd call it lazy writing, even if they are connected. Oh, another thing I liked is the writers not forgetting that connection. Of course, Tandy going gung-ho with the touching all those people would affect Tyrone. It's an interesting piece, and I'm looking forward to seeing how else they play with that going forward. Halfway through, that's hard to believe. I have to imagine the critical success gives it a wave to ride to a season two, but I wonder if it'll be a summer show next year and run concurrent with S.H.I.E.L.D., or if Freeform decides to give it more of a spotlight and put it somewhere in the year, and if they give us more episodes then. Hope you're all doing well and enjoying this as much as I am. Thank you, Agent 084, for your constant emails. I love hearing them. Yeah, it's fun. Very fun. And we appreciate both you and Shannon sending stuff in to us. And you know who else we appreciate, Stuart? Can you guess? We appreciate our Patreon patrons. Yes, we do. So we'd also like to thank our Patreon patrons. And that is Agent Trent, Agent Tassel, Agent Jeffrey, Agent Andrew, and Agent Adzi. And you guys are awesome. We really, really appreciate you and appreciate the way you're helping us out, Um, especially with some new stuff that's happening with uh, Google and how it does websites. We actually might have to do um, some there's just some added costs that may come out of that. And so we appreciate that and appreciate the way you've helped us out. And we're going to. Yeah, so we're going to want to thank you more and more. Don't know how to say thank you more than this, though, which is to say thank you. Thank you so much. So, um, yeah, that is our episode then. Stuart, any final words? Thank you again to the Patreons. And I'm really glad that you guys are enjoying this. I'm really glad that we're getting good, really awesome summertime MCU. Not like last time um, where we had to. Well, humans. you know, I'm I mean, about yeah, I, I, I figured that's what you were talking about. Uh, there, there's yes. Uh, so, but good episodes. Thanks guys for listening. Keep writing in. Yeah. And I just want to say it is time for me to get a snack and edit this episode together. And, uh, yeah, I should probably eat something healthy, but, uh, does ice cream count? Thanks once more for listening. You've heard us. Now we'd love to hear from you. Just go to welcome to level seven.com slash feedback to contact us through our website. You can also leave us a voicemail by calling one level seven. You can also join the conversation by liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash welcome to level seven, or by following us on Twitter where we are level seven pod. 
Welcome to Level 7 is a proud member of the Noodle Mix Network. Find more of our award-winning and award-nominated podcasts to help you think, laugh, and succeed at noodle.mx. Learn how to podcast, get productive in your personal and professional life, theorize over TV shows, laugh at our clean comedy, learn critical thinking from movie reviews, and more at noodle.mx. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, Godspeed. Episode 260, Cloak and Dagger, Season 1, Episode 5, Princeton, shoot, I was so close, (laughs) Princeton something. Offense. Offense. I was going to say defense. Okay. Okay. Let's do it again.